love the Word of God. And last week, Pastor Ruben did an amazing job starting off our series, Real Faith, talking about counting it all joy. And we had a great time. If you weren't able to tune in or be here at our service, you can watch that on our YouTube channel at New Harvest Norwalk. And it's a great, great sermon. You'll be inspired. You'll be blessed by hearing that word. And tonight, we're going to continue in the book of James, have it talking about real faith. And we're going to be talking um, out of the book of James, chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at chapter 4 as well. But tonight's title, if you're taking notes, is Real Talk. And uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten into a real conversation? Maybe things started getting heated a little bit. Maybe things started getting a little intense. Maybe there was, there was uh, confrontation or correction or encouragement, tears and sobbing. That's what I would define as real talk. And when you and I get in the Word, how many of us know that God, He'll keep it real with us? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, why don't you keep it real tonight? And in the house of the Lord, we put on so much facades, and we come dressed our best, and we want to look the nicest that we can. But this evening, why don't we just be real? And why don't we have some real talk through the Word of God? Are you ready for that tonight? You want the Word of God to penetrate your life? Book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says this, book of James, chapter 4, and verse 7. This is the theme verse, the keynote verse of the series. And the Bible says this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil. Everyone say, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why don't we go ahead and pray this evening. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all those who made it here tonight, and we thank you for the series that you have downloaded, God, to our hearts and minds. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would download wisdom, strength, God, as we look at your word. That, Lord, that your name would be glorified, that your name would be exalted, that your name would be magnified tonight. And if there's anyone here in this place that doesn't know you, I pray they'll leave this place knowing you with your joy, Lord, as they surrender their lives to you. Satan, we bind you, every strategy of the enemy, every distraction right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And right now, Lord, we want to lift up your name. We want to praise your name because only you are worthy to be praised. And right now, we give you all the glory. And all of God's people said amen, amen and amen. How many of you are ready to get into the word of God? And this evening, we know that we're in a real fight against the devil. The Bible says, therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And how many of you here today, you were getting attacked by the devil on the way to church? Maybe you got in a fight with your spouse. Maybe you got a run in your nylon. I don't know. Maybe you're, you just didn't have no clean clothes tonight, and you're mad at the devil. How many of you know the devil is a liar? Uh, growing up in, in, in a Christian, uh, my dad's a pastor, my mom's a pastor's wife, so we blamed a lot of things on the devil. Do you have, a, do any of you have a mom that blames everything on the devil? You know, you get a flat tire, you hear your mom go, that lying devil. No, you just needed to get new tires about six months ago. Anyone say tonight, maybe last Wednesday, you go, oh, you had acid reflux late at Wednesday night. You go, oh, that lying devil. You know, it wasn't the devil. It was that you ate too much taquitos at Albert's after church. And you say that lying devil. And there's so many things that we blame on the devil, and there's so many things that we blame on the devil. But really, the reality is you and I, we need to check ourselves and say, God, let me just walk in wisdom. Let me walk in your wisdom, God. Lord, let me be a good steward over my time and my family and the things that you've trusted inside of my life. Because not everything's to blame on the devil. But then there's some things 
that you and I know that the works of darkness are coming trying to strategize against our families, trying to strategize against our marriages, trying to strategize against our youth, trying to strategize against the future, our future, trying to strategize even against our church. And the Bible says something awesome, and James says, therefore, submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee. So right now, I want you all to submit yourselves to God. Just go like this. You surrender. Put your hands up like this, all right? Only when we go like this, I see some of you not doing it. You know what? I'm going to be praying for you tonight. But this means surrenderance to God. This, this is the way God's able to do, work in our lives. But when we're surrendered to God, then you and I can go like this to the devil. And I want you to put your hands in resistance against the devil because the devil, he wants to come against our lives. He wants to come against our kids. He wants to come against our marriages. He wants to come against our finances. He wants to come against our destiny. But until you and I get like this, we can't get like this. And that's why God wants us to surrender our lives. Surrender our lives to Jesus. And that's why I'm so blessed we have an awesome worship team. Man, they led us into the presence of God. And we were able to say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender my burdens. I surrender my day. I surrender my problems to you. And then we're able to resist the devil when he's trying to distract us during the message. Amen. Because the devil will try to do that. But you and I, we need God's wisdom inside of our life. Now, there's an awesome thing about the book of James, but the book of James is a lot like the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. The book of James is a book of wisdom. Wisdom. How many of you here tonight, you want more of God's wisdom inside of your life? You say, Pastor, I, make, I have to make some tough decisions. I need to do this. I need to do that. You and I, we need the wisdom of God working in our life. And the book of Proverbs says this. In chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord, everyone say, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, the Hebrew word for wisdom is a very loaded word. It's talking about you learning mentally. It's talking about you learning spiritually, and it's talking about you learning physically. You're learning, and you're not just stopped at learning, but you're constantly learning constantly growing. That's why the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Now, you and I, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you need to grow in wisdom. Turn to your other neighbor and say the same thing, you need to grow in wisdom. And you and I, we don't want to stunt the growth that God wants to bring in our life because how many of us know we could be more wise every single day of our life? We could say, God, I want your, your wisdom working in my life. And you and I see that God's wisdom comes when you and I fear God. We have to reverence God, his word, and his laws. Because if you study the word of God, God's word gives us wisdom. It does. Another thing that gives us wisdom is hanging around with wise people. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, the Bible says, walk with the wise and you'll grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, if you're hanging around fools, guess what you're going to be? A fool. And guess what you're going to get yourself in? Trouble. Lots of trouble. Because you're going to suffer harm. Now, the Bible says that those who hang around the wise, they grow wise. That's why you got to have three people in your life. you got to have a Paul that what? That pushes you to grow. You have to have a Silas, somebody that's at the same level as you. 
that can spur you on, encourage you, that can be by your side. And then you also have to have, what, a Timothy, someone you can pour into, someone that you're pouring into. You need a Paul, you need a Silas, and you need a Timothy. We need all, those three people in our life at all times, amen, so you and I can be growing and helping others grow, amen? Be growing and helping others grow. So you and I want the wisdom of God, so it comes through what? It comes through you and I hanging around with wise people. It comes through God's word. But guess how it also comes? It comes through what? You and I what? Look, at we find it in James because James is a book of wisdom, and there's a lot of parallels between James and Proverbs. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, let's read the next part together. Ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, there's a parallel verse to that in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. That you and I can say, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And the Bible says that if we ask God, guess what you're going to receive? You're going to receive wisdom inside of your life. Amen. God will grant us wisdom. Let's give God glory for that. That's awesome. All we got to do is ask God. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me your insight, God. You say, how do I become a better husband? It's not, you're not going to find it on, on Dr. Phil. You really ain't. You ain't going to find it on the Internet. They don't know you. God does. And God wants to help you. God wants to give you insight. God wants to give you understanding. God wants to give you his um, wisdom inside of our lives. All of us, amen. Each and every one of us can grow in wisdom. I like what one man said. He said this, not until we become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down can divine wisdom become ours. How many of you want the wisdom of God in your life? First thing I want to talk about tonight that we see in James chapter 3 is wisdom with our words. James chapter 3. Now we're going to get into the meat of chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1. The Bible says this, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now I'm going to stop there. And why don't we just stay right there for just a second. Those of us who teach the Word of God, those of us who have a desire to teach the Word of God, let me say this. The Bible is very clear that you and I will receive a stricter judgment, that we're, we have to be better stewards of what God has entrusted to us. So if you're thinking about being a teacher, you're thinking about being a pastor, you're thinking about being some type of Bible study teacher, let me say this. Read the Word of God. We have to let that sink in our hearts. We have to examine that verse and know, you know, this is a very weighty thing. We want to be good stewards over the things that God has entrusted to our care. Careful. Now we're going to go to verse, the next verse. It says, For we all stumble many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth and they may, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large, they are driven by fierce winds. They are even turned by a very small rudder wherever their pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of, world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
but no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the, the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Are a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. James is talking to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers here. And he's talking about the tongue. Now, our tongue tonight, church, is something that's a very powerful instrument that God has entrusted to us. Very small thing. But it changes and it, it directs the courses of our life. James gives that example here. He talks about a ship. He talks about a little rudder of a ship that that little rudder can steer a whole ship. That it can move something massive, something so small can move something so massive. And you and I, our tongue, it can get us in trouble. Our tongue could put us in bad places. Our tongue could bring cursing. Our tongue could destroy the things that God wants us to do. Because, you know, you read the, the Old Testament, you read the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God spoke things into existence. We read about creation, that God spoke things into existence, and he saw that those things were good. And the Bible says that God had, he began to speak these things, and what happened? Something was created. Our words, they create things. Our words create things. Um, for example... How many of you have ever been encouraged by somebody to go forward for God? And you were, you were discouraged, you were down, you were, you, were, you were just feeling like giving up, and all of a sudden somebody came, they gave you a word of, of encouragement, and all of a sudden it began to stir you up, it began to spark you up, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to the lies of the devil, I'm going to go forward for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to do the things that God has called me to do in my life. Why? Because those words were spoken at a... Those rhema words were spoken at a timely time in our life, and God was able to bring blessing inside of our life. Amen. Another example is preaching. People come. I know there's been many times where I'm sitting there, Pastor Salazar is bringing the word of God. He's, he's bringing the word of God, and all of a sudden, all the gifts inside of me, all of a sudden, the discouragement begins to dwindle. My faith is stirred because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, Words, they stir us. When the word of God is powerful, it knocks down walls of the enemy. It breaks down things. And that's why it's so important that our tongue is in line with God's word. Because if our tongue is not in line with God's word, and we're speaking negatively, and we're gossiping, and we're backbiting, and we're being critical of the things of God, I want to tell you, it's going to destroy the things that God wants to do in our lives. Because even correction, when you do it the right way, I want to tell you, it's going to edify the person who's being corrected. They're going to be blessed by it. Why? Because a wise man receives rebuke. A foolish man doesn't. Now, you study the Word of God, and God's Word, what does God's Word want with our words? Parallel verse in Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 3. Those who control their tongues will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Wow. Wow. There's a Latin proverb that says, even a man who's silent, will, people will think he's a philosopher. Just if he's silent... Our tongue could get us in trouble. Lying words, lying. The Bible says in Proverbs 15:4, a gentle word brings life and health, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Critical words, 
Proverbs 16:24, kind words are like honey sweet to the soul and how to the body. Kind words, kind words that uplift are so important. Speaking kindly to your wife. Wives, speaking kindly to your husband. Speaking respectful words to your husband. What is that going to do to your husband? It's going to build him up. It's going to make him want to go out there and work for you. And come back home and what? Come back home and love you. Why? Those words of encouragement are going are to encourage your husband. But if you're tearing him down saying, oh, man, you know, uh, why did I even marry you? You're such a bad husband. Why couldn't you be like that husband over there? You don't want to do that. That's going to discourage him. That's going to tear him down. You ladies want to build your husband up into his destiny. You want to build him up into the call of God over his life. You want to say, you know, you can do it. When he comes to you with his dreams, you don't want to knock those dreams to the ground. You want to build those dreams. Say, you know what? I believe in you. I believe in you. Even if he's unsaved, you want your words to speak blessing over him. Discouraging words are like a wet blanket. Very important that this next generation that's coming up, we don't want to discourage them. You want to build them up. You want to encourage them that they can do it, just like someone encouraged you that you could do it, that God was with you, that God was going to help you. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.4, a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are refreshing as a bubbling brook. Refreshing words. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. The second point this evening is the ways of wisdom. How many of you want to walk in the ways of wisdom? You know, we want to walk in the ways of wisdom because um, we know this. Talk is cheap. Action that's coupled with words is where you and I make, get results. Amen. So when you and I get those, the wisdom going with action, all of a sudden we begin to see results inside of our life. Um, the Bible says this, gives us characteristics of true wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 13. When you get there, say amen. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let their life show by good conduct and their works are that works that are done in meekness of wisdom. James, same chapter, verse 13, 17, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. True wisdom, what does it lead us to? It leads us to humility. True wisdom does. It doesn't puff us up. What it does is it leads us to what? It leads us to humility where all of a sudden you and I are walking in meekness. You and I are walking in humility. Because, you know, what wisdom can do, you begin to get wisdom, you can start getting puffed up. You can start getting proud. You can go, man, I am so wise. People come to you and asking you questions and you feel like, you know, I don't know, you're the Dalai Lama of Norwalk or whatever. What's, you know, and you get that, 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 um, that pride in your, in your wisdom. But you know what? No, every good gift, it comes from God. We have to give glory to God for the wisdom that he imparts to our lives. 
So there's this thing going on. And then there, there's another thing that will really try to hinder us from what God wants to do inside of our life. We're going to look at some, some things that are the opposites of true wisdom. And it is what? It is selfish ambition and envy. Selfish ambition and envy. Before I get there, I just want to say also another thing that hinders us from walking in true humility is false humility. That is being proud in what people perceiving you as being humble. Being proud and people thinking that you're humble, but you're getting really proud because everyone thinks you're humble. So we got to be careful. True wisdom is a gift from God. Verse 13. Chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him, let her show by good conduct that works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish seeking in your heart, do not boast or lie against the truth. The, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, demonic wisdom. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now, selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is, is something that James is talking about. And he says selfish ambition is something that was a political term. It was a political term of that time. And what it meant was this, is that you would puff yourself up through trickery to have people follow you. So you'd be giving them promises, you know what, if you vote for me, you know what, you're going to have free health care. You're, <laughs> you're going to have, a, it's a political term. Now, your, your selfish ambition is you're trying to get the votes, the consensus of the people to be on your side. And what it was doing to the churches, it was causing division among the churches because people are going in there and they're making it sound like they had everything going on. And if you follow me, this church is going to get to the next level. And what they were doing is they were just wanting themselves to be what? To be seen and to be noticed. But let me say this. We will never enter our, into our destiny by ourselves. We need others. We need a team. You need the person that's sitting next to you to do all the great things that God has for you. For example, you think about the word illness. It starts with I. I. I this. I that. I this. I that. Now we come over here. We think about wellness. We. We can do this together. We can do it with God's help. We can do it as a church. We can do it as men and women of God. We can do it as, you know, those who uh, come together as a people of God, as a group of God, as people who are called by God. We, the people, we, the church. Selfish ambition will destroy what God wants to do in our life because we'll never enter into our destiny through selfish ambition. Or through being double-minded. Now, James, he says the word double-minded. So we're talking about selfish ambition, but now we're going to talk about being double-minded. Being double-minded. Double-minded um, is, is something that will hinder what God wants to do in our life because you and I, we have to be confident in what God has called us to do. When you're with the plow, we know the verse that Jesus said, when your hand is to the plow, don't look back. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, we're in too deep. <laughs> what I mean by that is we need to have singleness of heart. 
not to be double-minded. Double-minded is a term that's found in James. It's not found in any other book. It's a, it's a term that, that Bible scholars believe that James coined. They're talking about people that were one day, you know, trying to serve two masters, one day trying to serve the world, and then one day trying to serve Jesus. One day trying to go out there and drink, and the next day trying to do this. One day trying to go out and, and go to the parties, and then one day trying to do this. One day trying to do this. How many of us know we need to say, God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'm going to serve you with all my soul, God. You have this heart, God. I'm no longer going back to the world. No longer going back to those internet sites. No longer going back to that, that black book. No longer going back to that bar. But God, my heart is yours. And it's only yours. I'm not going back to that corona. I'm not going back to, you know, that marijuana. I'm not going back to those drugs. I'm not going back to those places, God. But you have my heart because true wisdom is pure. True wisdom is pure. You might say, well, Pastor Danny, is that biblical? Yes. James 4 verse 8. The Bible says these words. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you, your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded. True wisdom is pure. There's a purity in wisdom. The Bible says about being double-minded, you're, you're unstable in all your ways, that you're like, a, like a, a wave in the sea going up one day, down the other day, up one day, down the other day. When you and I are, are, are not double-minded, let me say what it does. You have confidence in God. You stand on his promises for your life. And say, God, you know what? I'm going to be that man. I'm going to be that woman that you've called me to be inside of my life. I'm going to be that person that you want me to be. I'm going to be that man that you want me to be. The character of God is described as something pure. Wisdom, what else is it? It's also considerate and submissive. It's considerate and submissive. True wisdom does not insist on having its own way. But what is it? It's, it's considerate and submissive to those that are around us. It's not just coupled in its own self, but it's thinking about the needs of others, that you and I can be blessed when someone else gets blessed. You and I can be blessed when someone else gets promoted with the promotion that we were praying for, <laughs> that we're blessed. Why? Because God is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Bless them even more. Because let me say this. God doesn't run out of blessings. But if, you, if we harbor a bad heart, we're going to miss out on the blessings. But if you and I are blessed when other, other people get blessed, guess what does that mean? You and I got the blessings coming. We already have blessings before us. But God's going to bless our socks off. Envy. It will rob us of that Selfish ambition will rob us of that. All these things will rob us of what God wants to do inside of our life. And God wants to do a lot. Wisdom, wisdom. The next thing I want to talk about, last thing tonight, we could have the worship team make their way up here tonight. Wisdom with our time. Pastor Salazar, he did an amazing service earlier this year. And he preached about time, talked about time. 
And he said these words. He says, time, we can't save it. We can't stop it. We can't store it. And we can't stretch it. And he was talking about how you and I, we had to be good stewards of our time. The message, you can find it on the YouTube page of New Harvest Stockton. It's called The Time of Your Life. I encourage you to watch it tonight. The Time of Your Life. And the time that God entrusts to us, how many of us know we need wisdom for every day that God entrusts to our life? The Bible says that Moses, he prayed a prayer, and it's one of the Psalms in chapter 90. It's the only Psalm that's attributed to Moses, and he said something awesome to God. He said, God, teach us to number our days that we can gain a heart of wisdom inside of our life. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we can gain a heart of wisdom inside of our life. Now, let me ask you this. What are you doing with your time? The Bible says redeeming the time, being wise because what? The days are evil. We want to we make the most of our time, every single one of us here today. Today, this day today, it was a gift from God to us. It really was. The, t the moments we had with our kids, the moments we had at our job, the moments that we have in church, and I think sometimes what we do is we, we rush God. And this time we're distracted as the message being uh, preached, as the worship is being sung. We're thinking about things. We're thinking about what's going on here. We're thinking about what's going on there. And we're wasting valuable time that you and I can be worshiping God, that you and I could be praising God, that you and I can be hearing the Word of God. This is so critical that we make the most of our time that God has placed inside of us. James chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we are going to go to a certain town and stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Verse 14, he says this. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog, like a vapor. It is here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say, if the Lord wants us to, we will live, do this, and we will do that. Now, the book of Proverbs, the parallels to the words of James. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 verse 1, Don't brag about tomorrow, since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't brag about it. You and I today, we've been blessed with a gift, the gift of today, where you and I can worship God, you and I can praise God, you and I can make the most of this day and live a life of wisdom. This evening, how would it be if every situation we came into, every circumstance we came into, every interaction that we came into, we said, God, let me find your wisdom for this. Lord, let me find your mind for this situation. Let me find your heart for this situation, God. Let me have your wisdom. I want to say that what we would do is we would make the most out of our time. We would make the most out of our day. We'd be touching lives with significance. We'd be touching lives with blessing. Why? Because when you and I ask God for wisdom, guess what he does? He gives us his wisdom. He gives it to us. And this evening, God wants to give us wisdom. He wants to give us more wisdom. 
and it's found through what? Through his word, through walking with the wise, and through prayer. And this evening, if we could all stand in reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ.